0: i'll tell you what movie i would not have a hard time programming if i was still a theater manager and that's the many saints of newark look at that transition Sure, there you go that is an easy film to sort of be like all right we can cut our losses with this one i mean it's available on hbo max already for an hbo show Who, I mean, I get it. Like the the hardcore fans of The Sopranos are probably like, well, I got to see the Mini Saints in Newark on on the big screen. eh?" And maybe they did. Maybe they did in the first weekend. But the second weekend? No, 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 no. Everybody else is going to like, I'm just I'm I'm just going to watch that on uh, HBO Max because they probably already have it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll say it was weird to see the HBO logo on the big screen. Um, It wasn't like the like traditional HBO logo, but it was an HBO logo and it was weird to see that in a theater.
0: We're talking about The Sopranos for the first time on Cinemaholics. I mean, it is a cinema show, but it's a movie. It's a prequel to The Sopranos, which was a very influential and important television program. It premiered Mm -hmm. in 1999. It went for seven seasons. It had an infamous finale. I feel like yes. the first time I really heard about that show from a lot of people was like the finale. Like I had heard of The Sopranos, obviously, because yeah. that show was coming out when we were, you know, like I, I was in high school. I was, I mean, when it first came out, I was a kid. I was like eight, nine years old. It ended when I was in high school. I was basically Meadow, you know, or I guess not, I was the the younger brother. You were, AJ, brother. You yeah. were AJ, Anthony,
1: um, AJ, but. AJ?
0: Well, they, they call him are you, Anthony. Are you Camar- or what do you
1: call him? What are you calling him? Everyone calls him AJ. AJ? I,
0: I haven't heard AJ. We'll get to it. I, I've been hearing Anthony as the young boy sure. uh, in the first season. Anyway, Many Saints of Newark, though, it doesn't take place in 1999, because that's, that's the thing we should make clear in case you don't know. Sopranos takes place in the modern day. It's like modern day Goodfellas, Right. It's like the mob, but in New Jersey circa 1999 when the show was coming out. It's,
1: yeah, I mean, it's like an 86 hour Soprano or uh, Scorsese film in some respects.
0: It's like, it's like, you know how like Band of Brothers was a, an episodic form, a version of Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan, you know, the World Mm -hmm. War II thing. They kind of did the same thing with like Casino and, and Goodfellas and Godfather and i never got into the sopranos because like will and i have talked about this off the air but like it just came out at the wrong time like i didn't have hbo come on i was right like i you know like i I wasn't watching hbo regularly until like game of thrones was a thing you know because that's when i was like post-college that's when i could afford to have streaming services like that
1: yeah but i think one thing that's been fascinating is that like sopranos unlike other prestige shows um, you know, like game of Thrones, like you mentioned has had a pretty long shelf life. Like people our age are revisiting the show or finding the show yeah. for the first time and getting a lot out of it as far as its commentary and seeing how it is actually what what it's saying about the decline of America, like the dwindling of how we see society and all that is still prevalent. And if anything more relevant now, because of how things have turned out for America. And it, I think that's, one of the key reasons why Warner Brothers is so keen to keep this going, either as a film or a show or what have you. Um, but as you were mentioning... It's been 13 Supranos. or
0: 14 years.
1: Yeah, but The Sopranos, the, the finale of it, uh, among along with the, you know it being a controversial ending, it, it has this kind of weird uh, point in TV history where, like you said, it is one of the key shows that legitimize television as an art form or as something that was more yeah. than just like uh, occasionally you just flip on a TV, like making television a weekly appointment. Prestige television. Yes. It Prestige kicked television. off yeah.
0: what people are still saying is ongoing the ongoing golden age of television, yeah. a lot of people would estimate.
1: But the weird thing about the finale is that it kind of become... it. So it's 2007, and that's around the same time that Lost is uh, becoming uh, a mainstay yeah. for a lot of people on television, becoming an appointment Per-season, show. I think, huh? Yeah, uh, and... Lost kind of trained audiences to have like answers. Like, like, if you search for certain things on the show, you'll be rewarded if you like for your attention, your you know, diligence, and all this, which made it ironic that the, the ending of that show was also fairly divisive. Yeah.
0: Well, that was the thing. That show was all about like fan theories, but then the ending of the show was like, but we made it up as we went along. Isn't that fun?
1: Right. But Sopranos, David Chase's uh vision for the show is often as you'll know if, or you'll see as you keep watching, hopefully, is that like. He could care less about giving answers to a lot of things like he just wants to say certain things and avoid the easy explanations and have, you know, like kind of a a text that's rich in theories and thoughts and and being like the characters kind of psychoanalyzing what's going on with the characters, what certain things can mean, what connotations for certain things could mean.
0: He's big on ambiguity. Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah, which I think was what made uh, the appeal of the show or uh, what made the show so appealing and what made the idea of a movie sort of uh, both tantalizing and also kind of scary because what we're talking about with the film is the uh, not so much the rise of Tony Soprano as the marketing has been saying, but the rise or the influence of um, Dickie Melsanti, Christopher Melsanti's father and uh Tony Soprano's main mentor, who is a figure proceed, who is, Before we proceed, yeah. we got
0: to get two things out of the way here, because I don't think okay. we got to this yet. Will Ashton, you and I, we didn't watch The Sopranos growing up. We like, we didn't watch the show.
1: Yeah, I watched it late.
0: Exactly. So you watch, you just watched all of it. Like yes. you have been, you've been like rewatch, or not rewatching, you've been watching it for the first time. You finished yeah, it. You months. had a, yeah.
1: Apparently
0: you had a great time. Like I, that's the impression that I got.
1: It's a great show. It's honest. I've not watched a lot of TV um, and I'm not saying anything that I think is out of school, mm-hmm. but uh, it is honestly one of the best shows I've ever seen.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that. And like, I look, I I'm a total newbie. I watched many Saints of Newark, this prequel without ever watching a single episode of Sopranos. So you're getting a review about this movie from somebody who's never seen an episode of the show from somebody who just watched the entire thing. I'm sorry. We don't have anybody here who is like, oh, I watched it back when it was coming out. You know, because I, yeah. I I don't know we can't get our dads on the phone. Sorry, but you know,
1: someone that's watched like uh, <laughs> like the first two seasons or something like that, and it's just like, oh yeah, I remember Tony. Uh, <laughs> I know yeah, a few someone, people yeah.
0: who have watched who did watch the show, but they like around our age, like they were pirating it, like they were watching it on torrent and stuff like that. And, yeah, I you know,
1: he, yeah, I remember hearing about um because like this is like back in the blockbuster era, like how they would have like the DVDs and individual like you could rent. A season but you had to like rent like four discs for it and sometimes like the second disc would be gone but like the fourth disc would be there so they would like watch the show out of order and like see like just chaos the last four episodes of a season of the season two or something like that and they have to go back and watch like episodes like three through, through six or something because that dvd finally became available later which i find to be fascinating but you know that's just i feel like that's well, kind of like well, a time actually, capsule you
0: just yeah you just had to head over to the local uh, Barnes and Noble, head over to the DVD section, and get Sopranos season seven on DVD. And then you just get the whole thing, and then you pay it right there, and you use your Visa or MasterCard. They accept both. That's my yeah. old timey voice.
1: Sure. What happened to Grandma Charades? Was, does she have an opinion on Sopranos?
0: Grandma Charades, she didn't watch The Sopranos? No. That's not a Christian show? Sure. I'm anyway. shocked at you, Will Ashton.
1: But you had some more to say about Sopranos? Before I could talk about. It?
0: Well, I think I covered. I mean, I, 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 like I said before, I watched the many saints in Newark. This, which is a prequel. It takes place in the 1960s and early 1970s. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Like I have cultural osmosis. Like I know who Tony Soprano is. I yeah. actually told you, I watched this. I watched the finale back in the day because I was curious and I was like 17.
1: Yeah. Everyone saw the last scene. I don't know if everyone fully understood it.
0: Well, I read the theories and I was like, oh, okay, I bet that's what happened. Like, I don't know. I I, I, I kind know. of have that in my head. And as you know, I've been watching the first season because, like, that is one thing that this prequel movie does. I'm going to say it right off the bat. I don't think it's like an amazing movie at all. True. I actually think it's kind of underwhelming in a lot of respects, as like something where I didn't know what was going on. But, It did get me curious. I was like, I this works as a like, hey, I've never seen the Sopranos before. You watch this and you're like, oh, okay, so this is setting up a bunch of stuff. I should probably watch the show because the show's supposed to be amazing, way better than Mm -hmm. this, and it'll answer a lot of questions I have. So good marketing, I guess, if if you didn't already have an HBO Max account.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I find kind of fascinating about folks who are watching this cold, is that like if someone were to not have watched The Sopranos and see this film. I i, I mean, you could. I mean, it doesn't, you know, like you it's can so watch weird. this without seeing The Sopranos. But for one, without giving away, there is a big spoiler for the show in the first uh, two scenes of the film over the narration. Yeah. So like, You don't uh, even know
0: for sure that it's a big spoiler, but you're sort of like, that feels like a spoiler. Like, that feels like something that wouldn't happen until, like, late in the show. Yeah. And it would be a big deal. And I was like, oh... Okay. And I'll tell yeah. you, Will, like, I'm not upset about it because I'm just like, it's kind of fascinating to watch the show from that perspective now of like, I know what's going to happen. And so like, there is something kind of cool about that because it's unique. Like I get to watch it from a different perspective from people who watched it when it was coming out or you because you weren't spoiled on it. And it's just this sort of like foreboding almost, you know what I mean?
1: Sure. But I mean, at the same time, I, I wonder what it's like watching this film without seeing the show like yeah watching the film without seeing the show because like I don't know how you feel about these characters like how what's your response to like Johnny Boy what's your response to Junior what's your response to like Livia like I, I don't know like how you yeah. would respond to these characters like not knowing not having the baggage of knowing who they become or who they are in the show and just like uh, the movie doesn't really feed you a lot of information about them if you were to be a fresh viewer uh, that's why I'm kind of curious to hear your opinion about this this film and how you like take these characters at this point.
0: My opinion is it's not a movie. It's like a weird companion piece. Like this isn't a movie. Like you can't watch this by itself and then like expect to, there's way too much intertextuality. Like you can't, like there are moments in this movie where you're just like, Oh man, that's uncle junior for you. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and I think like I've, I've kind of looked into it because I've been so curious about like what went into this movie and like how it came about and like why it is the way it is. And a lot of it, from what I can tell, is that it was cut down severely. I think Which that, makes sense. you know, they probably I think David Chase, I, I think he probably wanted to do something with this that was a little bit more, you know, expansive. And apparently he always wanted this to be a movie, but he pitched it originally as a series, knowing they would deny it. Like it was going to be like a limited series. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll make a few episodes. It'll be like a precursor to Sopranos. And apparently HBO was like, nah, but then HBO was like, well, what if you just did like a movie version of it? And that's what he did. But that's the thing is like, when you make a movie, you have to cut way too much stuff out. And that's what this movie feels like.
1: Was that HBO or was that Warner Brothers?
0: Uh, I don't know for sure. I, I I was reading about it in one of the trades, and I think it yeah. was I think it was HBO. It could be Warner Brothers, though. I don't know for sure.
1: Okay, because I had heard that Warner somebody from like a Warner Brothers executive uh, like kept trying to get him to do something, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Well, I really want to tell the story of the Newark York uh, race riots. Like that's a, that's something from my past that
0: yeah, I found really true.
1: interesting. It's something I want to explore because, I mean, the show itself. I mean, it's about a bunch of things, but. The show was a big, a big part of it was Tony Soprano, or Tony Soprano, uh, David Chase working through his relationship with his own mother. Uh, Tony Soprano's relationship with his mother, Olivia, is like a huge part of the show, uh, especially the psychoanalyst, the therapist aspect. And then.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely getting uh, that vibe so far. I I should tell listeners, I'm six episodes in.
1: Yeah. Um, And the, his follow up film, Not Fade Away, is another kind of nostalgic film in this vein, which I revisit prior to seeing this, cause I was kind of curious how they'd be of a companion with one another. And that's like a kind of semiotic biographical film that explores from what I can tell David Chase's relationship with his father. And so I think he kind of, he, he said what he had to say about his mother. He had to say what he had to say about his father. And now we get May saints of Newark. And I kind of feel like David his Chase uncle. was tr- Well, no, <laughs> what I, well, you could argue that with junior, but, um, I, I Well, kind no, of, I was
0: saying, well, Dickie Moltisanti, right? He did the uncle, like, that's the real uncle of Tony yeah. Soprano. Is well, that that the that's
1: point? that's where I think my biggest issue with the film comes is that, like, I think David Chase had something to say with this film. I think he has a lot to say, but I don't think he has a cohesive idea of what he wanted to say, like, what he meant the main takeaway of the film to be. I would because agree with that. Because if yeah. this is about Dickie Moltisanti... I don't feel like I know any more about Dickie Melsanti than what I've heard from the legends and the stories agreed. that we get in the Sopranos.
0: Well, I think I was, get, well, okay. I don't agree. Cause <laughs> well, sorry. I said, I ag- agreed, but I, in the sense of like, I, I thought you were going to finish that sentence with like, you don't know more about him from the beginning to the end. Like that is, that is like the, the essence of this movie is like, you start with this character in the very beginning by the end. I'm just like, I don't know anything about this guy. Well, that's like, yeah. Cause that's yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Dickie Melsanti is not shown in the series of Sopranos, but he's mentioned a lot, especially as far as like Christopher's upbringing and Tony as the character he often references with like like a pang of nostalgia, with like some like guilt, his relationship with um, Dickie Melsanti and how they were very close. Uh, I would evoke it kind of similar to. Um, like the way that um Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of talks about um Anakin like kinda, like kind like he was an old friend you know like kind of like right. that thing
0: or how like my son and is like very close to you Will Ashton you're like his uncle sure. you know you taught him how to get into those yeah. illegal gambling rings
1: but yeah but but like, I think the big allure of the film, I mean, the marketing makes it out to be like, see the rise of Tony Soprano. And like, I, I knew from like the get-go, it's like, no, this is the story of Dickie Malsanti. Like, well, is I how, didn't know that.
0: Okay. I didn't know that at all. I watched the movie and I was just like, okay, this is about Tony Soprano. His son plays him. You know, the son of James Gandolfini, Michael Gandolfini, plays a teenage Tony Soprano. He doesn't show right. up until like way past Halfway, halfway through, yeah. And, like, the movie ends up being about Dickie Moltisanti. And so you got to imagine, like, if you don't know anything about this, like, universe, I'm just like, what am I watching? Who
1: is but, like, this guy? But I think that's fine. Like, I'm I'm okay with that. I think, if anything, David Chase doesn't really want to talk about Tony Soprano because he said everything he has to say about Tony Soprano in the show, I'd have to assume.
0: Fair enough. But isn't the whole point of the movie of, like, who made Tony Soprano? Right. And so, but, digging into Dickie.
1: But still, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, I feel like the movie gets so crowded with, you know, uh, talking about the race riots, exploring Leslie Odom's character, bringing in the other Soprano characters outside of Tony and Livia, including like Silvio and Polly and big pussy and all these other characters.
0: I mean, that makes sense. Like, I think yeah. you got to have to include those guys. Right.
1: Like, yeah. To an but extent.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's like three films competing at once then. Okay. and It's like, because of that, I feel like the Dicky Malsanti stuff often gets overshadowed to the point where I think like the last scene in this movie is really cool. And I think that if it had earned that moment a little bit more, I think it would have been a really big, oh, yeah. impactful moment for both totally the movie agree. and the show. Yeah. But um, I just feel like I still don't really walk away from this movie having a full, concrete idea of who, uh, yeah, Dickie Malsanti was. Outside of like kind of like the generalities of just like, yeah, he was, you know, a, a stubborn. He was a mean
0: son of a bitch. Like, what are yeah, you going to yeah, say about him? Yeah. I mean, he was another gangster kind of guy. Like, that's my thing with this movie is just like, what's different about it? Like, you haven't seen Goodfellas. I know you know a lot about Goodfellas from like just the culture, but like, what what do I get from this movie that I haven't seen a million times, especially like watching Sopranos? I like Sopranos so far because it's kind of like a modern version of those movies. And it feels like a reaction to Godfather and Goodfellas and Casino and like, you know, to a lesser extent, some of the other Martin Scorsese films, they reference yes, a lot of Martin Scorsese, right?
1: It's an evolution of that story.
0: Exactly. It's metatextual. It's sort of like we understand that that stuff exists and this is what the mafia is like. And reaction to it because like what a lot of people don't understand about mafia movies is that especially the godfather sort of really just established this mythology around the italian mafia that did not really exist it's so weird because it's one of those cases yeah mm -hmm. and italian americans as well i'd say to an extent i mean i was going to be even more specific than that and say that like before the godfather there wasn't really this sense of like the italian families and the mafia having this like code of like this legendary status of like you don't rat or any of this stuff right that stuff really came about through that movie Mm -hmm. especially through like goodfellas and stuff right
1: yeah i mean like you get like like capone and like the public enemy and like you know like kind of like these like legendary gangsters who are like you know like rob banks and like have like these kind of like romanticized stories, but like they're filled with you know obviously criminality and like applicable behavior and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, The Godfather brought that to kind of more like expanded, uh, you know, like kind of like grandiose terms. Like kind of brought it like a fuller it. life, yeah, glamorized it, but also like brought more humanity to it. Like it explored like the like lives and struggle, and it had like a genuinely epic, grand feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it was then an opera. With Yeah. But then like with Mean Streets and Goodfellas and um, Scorsese's, you know, a lot of Scorsese's filmography, uh, we get, you know, like kind of the modernized version of that where like we get the criminal behavior, but it's done in more kind of like blunt fashion, but also like still keeping that epic feel. But having like have a more sort of like uh, awareness of like how like applicable these characters are, how much they're like, you know, ruining society, like an ill yeah. to themselves and all this stuff. And like you said, the Sopranos, it's like exploring that even more to the point where it's just like America as a whole is like just kind of gotten rotten at this point where even like gangsters can't really like <laughs> are kind of like caught up in it and just like, yeah, like yeah. kind of taken aback back by it and just being like, you know, like even we're kind of struggling to make sense of what the world is at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, the weird thing about mason's to Newark is that like Obviously, The Sopranos, the show. One of the big things about it, as far as influence, that it it brought a cinematic feel to television. Uh, not that other shows weren't cinematic, but I think this is like one of the main reasons why so many shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad could be so take to too make risk and be so cinematic in their presentations because Sopranos allowed itself to do that. Ironically, when it finally gets a chance to be in cinemas, it has kind of a more television type feel. <laughs> So it kind of feels like it's huh. counterintuitive to itself almost. And that's, I think, kind of one of the bigger issues with this film.
0: I mean, my show, as a lot of people know, is Mad Men. I mean, I, I love that show. Like, that was the show that I came into at the right time. And I I would hate a prequel <laughs> for Mad Men. I I really would. And I don't think it would lend itself as easily to Mad Men, because, especially because if you watch that show, I mean, it already has so many flashbacks. It's not like Sopranos, where I think it, really would fit that anyway. But I mean, that's the thing. It's was like, Mad Men as it is, is complete. It's a story. It's, it has a beginning, middle end. It, it just it. Like there's nothing else that needs to be said. Matthew Weiner said it all. And I'm so weirded out by this movie because it just sort of is like, to me when I'm, especially now that I'm watching the Sopranos and I'm like, Oh wow. Like this is a show that really understands Goodfellas. It really understands the effect that those movies had mm-hmm. on American society at large. And also, like, in addition to that, specifically, like, Italian-Americans who are in the shadow of the mob or in the mob itself or completely removed from the mob and what that sort of, like, mythology lends to, like, people just living their everyday lives wherever they are. And so it's weird to me that this movie goes back in time and it picks Dickie Multisanti as this, like, stock character who looks like christian bale to me like the entire time i'm just like uh oh, guy looks um, like christian bale and he has like all these scenes with like like ray liotta has this like weird Ooh, soap opera twin thing going on i think oh, I his like initial good. his initial okay. character yeah. i think is so broad and so boring sure. like, i've seen this a million times okay here's the italian mobster he has a gumar Like, he cheats on his wife, like, and he's a gangster. Like, oh, my God, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm so sick of it. But then the one thing about this movie that I was just like, oh, give me more of this is, like, the Ray Liotta character that comes in. He's in prison. He's Mm -hmm. been in prison for years, and he just calls it like he sees it. Like, that to me, that had pangs of, like, the Irishman to me. Of like, okay, here we go. This is, like new, fresh, different, like this feels like a reason to be here. And then it ends as quickly as it begins.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think those scenes are some of the best in the film. Um, To kind of go off of that point, yeah. But I think, like we said before, I think one of the reasons why Sopranos, like we said, there's a bunch of reasons why the show became great and why it was so well-claimed. But I think one of the big reasons that It had the freedom to feel very lived in and feel novelistic in a way where characters could often just be sitting around and talking about either, you know, big, grandiose, uh, therapeutic-type stuff or just kind of bullshitting about any random thing that's going on day-to-day, pop culture, what have you. Um, And I think the show – or sorry, the movie is so caught up trying to do so many things at once that can't really – Achieve that, and I like you said. I think the moments that stand out to me are when it actually has a little bit more breathing room to actually uh, have like kind of those conversational tone moments that that stand out so much in the show. And I think those moments are unfortunately few and far between. Likewise, I feel like one of the big things I love about Sopranos is that it has often a sort of uh, dreamlike and cerebral quality to it that I think, largely speaking, is not in this film at all. Like there's one thing. It's involving, like, yeah, well, not even that so much, but like, um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, but um, like, there's like a thing that's introduced, like, with like Dickie Melsanti coaching like blind kid baseball players that I don't quite understand the point of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it has like this kind of like, well, he's almost be like a weird... saint,
0: right? Right, but like, it, the movie it has is all like, this kind of like, he was a saint, right. and you know what I mean? It was like, well, okay, well,
1: see, I took that as kind of like, has like this, like, it's so kind of random and so off kilter and not really addressed by it was any a other dream characters sequence.
0: i didn't think i didn't think it was real
1: right what's well, what i mean like that scene like how it's shot has like kind of dreamlike quality or like a romanticized quality to it that i found to be closer to like kind of like the more cerebral stuff in the show and i was wondering if if an, uh, a bolder movie of this maybe one that david chase actually got a chance to direct would be more willing to put stuff like that in the film and i found that like the Lack of that stuff, and also like the, the end scene, also kind of pushes a little bit towards the cerebral as well, I guess, but uh, okay. very slightly. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's also something I found to be kind of missing with this film. But um, I'll let you keep talking, but I do actually want to kind of talk about the things I like about the film at one point, if we of can. Of course, of
0: course. I, I mean, like, it's it's hard because I, I mean, the nice thing I'll say about this is like, you watch it, and it's like it's serviceable, like, it's like I watch this, it's not like I watch this movie and I'm just like, this sucks, like. No, I mean, it's fine. It's just, there's nothing about it that sticks out to me. I think like all the Leslie Odom Jr. stuff, there's this whole thing with his character that by my estimation goes nowhere. And this is one of those movies where like you meet all these characters and you're like, I feel like this would mean something to me if I had watched the show. But as it stands, like, Okay, I don't know why John McGarry was playing this character with a hair piece. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, Billy Magnuson is this, like, Silvio character. And, like, I understand. now No, no, no. no. Uh, that you're, I've you're, watched
1: getting, uh, you're getting mixed up. Um, Billy Magnuson Ma- is, is uh, Polly Walnuts.
0: Polly. And uh, sorry. John McGarry Ma- is, is Silvio. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. But uh, again, I'm still watching the show for the first time. Um, uh, but I'm just kind of watching, like, the only character that I thought, like, kind of just worked for me and, like, kind of made sense to me was Vera Farmiga as Livia the mother yeah and I was, I was just sh- sort of like oh okay I understand this character I get where she's coming from like that stuff all worked but a lot of the other characters like John Bernthal plays his dad Tony Soprano's dad and I was just like, like what's this guy's deal like I, I did not right. know I didn't understand it Corey Stoll plays Uncle Junior and like there's all this stuff happens with Uncle Junior and I was so thrown off because like if you haven't watched the show you're just like well, why like what's mm-hmm. his problem i don't get it but now yeah. i'm watching the show and i'm just like oh okay this guy is just like he sucks like i i, I don't know like if it makes any sense Like, this movie just has all this extra stuff with this like this mitch mistress that's also a stepmom and i'm just like what's the point like it's i don't know like i'm just kind of thrown off but like I'm, I'm watching it it's not bad like the performances aren't bad this is directed by alan taylor mm-hmm. i mean alan taylor tv wise is a legendary director. I mean, he's directed episodes for TV shows f- across the board. I mean, this guy's directed for the West wing he's mm-hmm. directed for lost. He of course directed for the Sopranos yes. six feet under uh, sex in the city. He directed uh, one of my favorite Mad Men episodes. Um, he directed mm-hmm. one of the best game of Thrones episodes. Uh, he he's done so much good stuff over his career. A lot yeah. of people look at him like filmography wise and they're just like, oh yeah, that guy who directed Thor: The Dark World pass, like because Thor: The Dark World is considered by many to be a pretty bad movie. He also directed Terminator Genesis, right? He directed yes. that, right?
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So not not a great run for Alan Taylor, and I, I don't I don't understand it. Will Ashton, like he's directed amazing television. His three movies, I'm just like, ah, okay.
1: I think he also directed like an indie called. Polkaville or something that's supposed to be pretty good, like France I didn't, Oh, I don't know stuff. about that. But in any okay. case. Um,
0: also, San Francisco alum. So, yeah. I give him that.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, to his credit, I, he is pretty integral to um, the show. I don't think he's directed like the most episodes of Sopranos or anything, but he has directed a lot of episodes, especially towards the second half of the show. He, for instance, he directed the second to last episode, the penultimate episode of Sopranos. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to assume it's kind of because of his blockbuster influence that he got picked for this project. But yeah, I mean, I think he obviously he gives it the like kind of nostalgic lean that I think the like, kind of like romanticized big budget feel that I think they're going for, at least from like a Warner Brothers standpoint. But I do, like I said, wonder what the David Chase directed version of this film would be. The one that would be, I have to assume, more willing to take risk as opposed to offering kind of just blank fan service. Uh like kind of like just nods and winks to the shows that feels really like beneath Sopranos. Like that, that that's the stuff about the film that I find most puzzling. I don't know if that was uh Warner Brothers or Alan Taylor, Taylor's uh influence. Like I, I have to assume David Chase wasn't like jazz about doing a bunch of like nods and winks to the show or his past work. That seems like just characteristically not something he's a fan of. Um but um I don't know. If, I, I don't know that for certain. But yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely moments of film where as far as like the blockbuster of it, I, I appreciate. For instance, there's a big shootout scene that I think is really cool uh, midway through the film that I think Alan Taylor does a really nice job as directing and shooting. Um, but at the same time, like you said, I think from a, a pacing standpoint, just juggling these stories, he just doesn't quite capture enough of the thematics, that I think, would have made uh, the story as resonant as it is. Like you said, um, the Leslie Odom stuff, I think – He Leslie Odom gives a great performance, but I don't think his character gives enough time is given enough time to really be fleshed out, especially in the later half of the film. Yeah, he's missing some
0: scenes or something like there's something about his character that I think is just like not getting communicated that I think would be really important.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering because this is I don't think it's going to happen, but this is supposed to be a first part of a film trilogy for like. Well, they talked about
0: it. Yeah. Being a spinoff that they would eventually do based on this. And I don't know.
1: I mean, I'd be I'd certainly be interested to see it like i said i think he, leslie Owen's really good in this um but as far as like the soprano stuff that you were mentioning um i think Vera Formega is really good i mean sometimes it's a bit much uh especially with the prosthetics but i really appreciate that she has kind of like an oedipus complex going on where she looks like both like <laughs> livia and uh carmelo and like there's like kind of like an interesting thing going on there but i don't think there's oh i wasn't even thinking
0: of that i thought you just meant something else but yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, um
0: <laughs> by the way, I didn't even realize she was supposed to be Tony Soprano's mom until like way late into the movie because they don't explain really? like that is one thing I'll give this movie credit. It doesn't hold your hand. Like there's something kind of realistic about how like they don't do a lot of those annoying things where you're like at a party and it's just like, this is Silvio. Right. And it's like really like making a show of it. It's like you you kind of have to work for it, which I yeah. I yeah, I'll give the movie a little bit of credit. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah,
1: but respect. at the same time the uh the timeline of the Sopranos gets really funky with this movie because like for instance Silvio in the show it's implied that he's like maybe like 5 years Tony senior I was uh, confused you know,
0: about that a little bit. Yeah, I was like and, wait.
1: And now he's like what like I don't know like 15 years older, I guess or uh, something.
0: I was thinking about this and like maybe 10 like, that's what I was, th- that's where I landed. But you know, I, there's also something, you know, on that note, there's something kind of generationally interesting about this movie because it's like, Oh, this is like a prequel to a show. And it's hard for me to sort of wrap my head around. Well, this is a show that came out like 1999. Yeah. So like, it makes sense for the main character to be like a kid in the sixties. When I think of like kids in the sixties, I don't think of like shows where the main character, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, right. The, well, the timeline of it, of it now is like kind of yeah. weird the way it all like lands for modern audiences.
1: Right, I mean, it's also kind of weird because like Tony and Carmela, they look older than they are. Like, they're actually both in, like their 30s. I think when the show starts. So um, I wouldn't it, say
0: that. I thought they. Were, I'm watching Sopranos, and I'm I'm like these people are in their early 40s. Easy.
1: No, no, no. I mean, like James Gandolfini was in his 30s when he filmed the show, and and canonically, like Is in the really? show, like they they yeah, he's supposed to be like I think like 38 or so.
0: Well, I mean, I would imagine he would have had Meadow. He's 47
1: like, when the show ends. Huh. The character, at least. And I mean, it's supposed I to take place I over, I like, wouldn't a have decade. Said 38.
0: Well, okay. I would have said 40, 41. But that's interesting. I mean, there is something kind of interesting with Mad Men in that respect, because Don Draper is supposed to be, like, 35 in the first sure. season of Mad Men, and you're just like, this man's 42. Well, you know I, mean, I mean, like,
1: you ever, like, look at, like, pictures of, like, your, like, grandparents or something, and they just, like like, yeah. they look like they're, like, some 45 like when that. they're like 32 yeah. or whatever and it's just i don't know i mean it's only, must have been something in the air or something they, I they look know. older i don't know
0: we don't we don't i will actually that's all to say for our for our hbo <laughs> special you and i are not gonna look our age
1: sure um but uh yeah i mean i think as far as like the like quote unquote like the impressions of the the film uh, i think vera is doing a lot of interesting stuff but livia isn't really given a lot to do which i find very bizarre um she's kind of like, like yeah, said, it's a side not really,
0: character Yeah.
1: But yeah, Tony's not really given as much of the showcase here. I I think Michael Ganolfini is like the big question here as far as like, is he because he has the most to prove here, I guess, as far as like living up to his dad's impression or performance, but also just also like great um, job. I I think he's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's I don't think he's quite as charismatic as James Ganolfini, but he's also obviously younger. Well, he's playing Uh, a teenager, you know
0: what I mean? He's not assured sure of of himself, which kind of makes sense for it, yeah.
1: But also, I I really appreciate how much he brings that, like, kind of boyishness to screen. Like, Tony Soprano as a character is often, like, an outgrown teenager throughout the series, and I think, like, kind of actually seeing Tony as a boy, I like that we see um, you know, like, that kind of youthful energy and, like, kind of like that that rambunctiousness, that, that desire to prove himself, but also at the same time we see a different, like, more sensitive side to Tony Soprano, where we see like kind of his uh, his like gentle yearning and all this stuff. But it, it, I think it feels a piece with the show. But also, I think kind of undermines like what other actors are doing. Like you said, John Magero I think is a, a fine actor. He did great work in First Cow last year. I generally don't know what yeah. he's trying to do as Silvio in this movie. Um, it, it
0: was clownish. What, what yeah. the heck was it? Was so broad. Like I said, it was just like well, I didn't understand the movie that I was watching. Yeah, I was like, does this make more sense if you watch the show?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird because like it's like David Chase forgot that like Polly's supposed to be the funny one. He's like yeah, the funny one, Silvio. It's like no, no, Polly's a funny one. It's like yeah, Silvio. and so like he, like I I think he like forgot that like Sylvia's not supposed to be the comedic relief of the uh, the crew or something, or maybe because like he's younger, maybe he's like more foolish or something. I don't quite get it, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Corey stole of the like actors playing characters in the show i think he gives the best performance i think his junior really? is generally really really impressive yes Corey absolutely Stoll? Corey so i think yeah i think the more you watch the show the more you'll be impressed
0: okay all right with hey, uh, fair enough
1: with junior's performance i'll keep watching
0: because i thought that was one of the weakest things i didn't understand that performance oh no I, I, like, I thought I that was it.
1: no i thought he was really really good wow. um okay and i think that scene towards the end with him paints the show in a new light in a way that i find really fascinating huh. um um I mean, honestly,
0: like if I was going to give this show any like a war, like any sort of like, man, this character really went above and beyond, I would give it to Michael Gandolfini because, again, I haven't seen the show, but like knowing what I know, like Gandolfini, James Gandolfini died in 2013. I mean, it's sad, you know, like he died of a heart attack. His own son discovered him. And there there is something so wicked about his son just like coming into this role, doing his thing. I think he kills it, you know, and it's just like, I can't imagine what that must have been like for him. And I'm just like so impressed. He's such a young dude.
1: Yeah, he he grew up with the show. Like, I think he was born around the time the show started. Like, he was on set alone and all that. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy right now, I I think he's only like 21, 22. And he's playing like like a teenager. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I give him a lot of credit, a lot of props. That's got to be tough to do. And I, I think he does his dad
1: proud. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he... Like I was trying to say before, I think he's the one that has the most to prove with this performance. For sure. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, John McGuire, like, he, he, no matter how we feel about Silvio, like, he'll still probably get work from this. It's not like it's going to, like, kill his career or anything. <laughs> Michael Ganofini is yeah, in, like... Yeah. he's He's got the biggest shoes to fill. He has the most to prove. He's obviously, like, the center of the marketing, all that stuff, and I think he does... Like, I mean, it's it's you're never going to live up to um, James Ganofini's performance, but I think, he, like I said, it doesn't... He moves beyond uh, impression and makes it a fully well-rounded character in a way that I think even surpasses what's on the on the page in a way that I find uh, really impressive and really heartfelt.
0: Mm-hmm. He's going to be in a couple more movies. He's in the next uh, Russo Brothers movie, the uh, action movie, The Gray Man. Okay.
1: Yeah, he was in Cherry for a little bit, I remember.
0: Yeah, he had a small role in Cherry. He was at that Cousin Joe or something, and then um, he's yeah, in one other actually, movie. Yeah, there's actually...
1: I don't know if you caught. There's actually, I think, a kind of a nod in Cherry to The Sopranos, where he's like oh, yeah, playing. I definitely didn't uh, catch that. <laughs> he's playing like Nintendo with one hand, which seems to be. uh, uh Oh, I just
0: saw uh, that scene. Yeah, his dad plays the. Yeah, right. They're Playing Mario Kart with one hand. That was funny. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, he's also going to be the next uh, Ari Aster movie. I know that the disappointment movie. Disappointment's okay. disappointment something. I'd have to look it up, but um, he plays with. Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix is the lead in that. Yes, um, that's coming out. I think that's filming right now. So I think that might be coming yeah, out. Yeah, or year, recently.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say they either recently ended filming, or it it um it's still going. I don't quite know how the production was, but
0: I. Th- Yeah, I I think if it if it hasn't finished, it's going to finish soon because it started in the summer. And I think they might have I think they might still be working on a few scenes. But yeah, I mean, that movie is one of my most anticipated. I mean, that's A24 Pavel uh, Porgoski is doing the cinematography. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nathan Lane stars in that movie. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about it.
1: Yeah, because that's like a three generation spanning film, right? Like it's like a like a like a long. epic. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It spans a few decades. Um, and, uh, I, I don't think Michael Ganoffini has a huge role in it, but, um, you know, I think like the main thing is like Patty LuPone and Joaquin Phoenix and all them. but yeah. no, I mean, I, but, he's going to be uh, in it. And so I, yeah. power to him. I, I hope he's, uh, he kicks ass in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also find it really fascinating that, uh, this performance is coming so shortly before, um, Cooper Hoffman's performance in, um, uh, licorice pizza. And, you know, it's a kind of similar situation where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid is like taking on this lead role, you know, like yeah. kind of proving himself with his dad. And they also kind of weirdly, I don't know if you've seen Cooper Hoffman and like Michael Ganfini like together, but they also weirdly look kind of similar. And I'm curious if one day they'll like play brothers or something because they I think that'd be an interesting thing to do.
0: I guess that's it. I mean, I, I think we covered it. I mean, my main thing on and before we get into our game, I don't recommend watching this if you've never watched the show, but if you do watch it. Agree. And you've never seen a show, you might be like me and you might be like, well, I'm confused. I'll watch the show now. But at the same time, I was like, you probably don't want to get spoiled, I guess. Like, I guess just just watch the Sopranos. I like the Sopranos way more than this movie. So I would have probably preferred the other way around. But um yeah, I mean I imagine Will, you probably are like like it sounds to me like this is like worth checking out. If you're a fan of the
1: Sopranos, why not? Uh yeah, I mean I think I'm more endeared to the film as a mid budget studio film for adults than as a prequel or a film of peace with the Sopranos, because Mm -hmm. I think it was always, it was always going to be a letdown as far as like being a continuation to Sopranos. I think like there's just no way they could have lived up to that uh, pedigree. But I think as a Warner brothers film, that's clearly made for adults, like featuring adult characters for the most part, um, you know, I think that's that's where it's probably at its most engaging and and where I'm I'm more endeared by it. Uh as a continuation of Sopranos, like I said, I just think it's it's fine. Like it's it's what I expected, I guess. Like it's it's nothing uh terribly interesting and I don't think it really adds a whole lot to the mythos of Sopranos, but I do Think I'll I'll either be more or less endeared with it as I think about it more because I do think it's interesting that uh Christopher narrates it and like he is a. I've I've heard theories that like this movie is kind of like him. Like if if, like Christopher finally got the chance to like kind of write his screenplay and make a movie about his dad, what it would be. And I think that's an interesting. I don't know if that's what uh David Chase had in mind, but I, I certainly think there's probably more going on here than we're giving him credit and I would. Hope, uh, if time as time passes, that like we kind of like you know, like that, that, that uh, interpretation opens up and we finally kind of get a better idea of what's going on here, same way that people have grown to like the the series finale of Sopranos more over time. But I don't know if that's the case here or not, because uh, like we said, I think the text here is unfortunately a bit thin and just feels like it's an overcrowded film that uh, is obviously very ambitious, but it's trying to do so much with such a limited amount of time and it's you know, kind of. Uh, buried in the shadow of this, uh, obviously, monumental series. And it just was kind of doomed to fail for that reason.
0: All right. Well, I guess this is one of those weeks where you and I basically agree on all the movies. I mean, just two, but hey.
1: Yeah, I mean. That's fine. I think I'm slightly more positive on um, on Many Saints. But overall, I think we're we're pretty similar.
0: Yeah, same zone. Close enough. Horseshoes. Uh, all right. Well, Ash, what do you think the Rotten Tomato score of many Saints of Newark is, if you had a guess?
1: Uh, I'm going to say 72%. Man,
0: you're always so close. 75%. Okay. That's impressive, though. I mean, yeah, we're within the margin of error. Uh, 154 reviews have been counted so far. That's going to keep climbing, I'm sure. The audience score, though, what do you think of that?
1: Oh, I think this is kind of low, because I'm hearing a lot of uh, mixed negative things from fans so far, and I think fans are primarily the people who have watched the film. So I'm going to say, I'll go a little bit higher than what my gut's saying. I'm going to say 61%.
0: All right. 58%. 58,
1: Again, okay. you're still
0: within the margin of error. So I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, 58% audience score. I think, yeah, probably for the reasons you're citing and 250 plus verified ratings. So very low compared comparatively. Um, and then we'll finish off with cinema score. What, what do you think of that?
1: Uh, for this film, I'm gonna say B minus.
0: Again, pretty close C plus, so a C little plus, bit okay. lower. And uh, I think we can imagine why. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I do think uh, all the reasons we kind of gave. I think people are just kind of reacting to this the way they're going to react. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't make much of it personally. Um, I I watched it and I I have plenty of complaints, but like, I don't know, like I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't walk away from it being like, what a waste of time. It's, it's egregiously bad. It's like, nah, I just, you know, it's it's got its own thing kind of going on. You either click with it or you don't, there's things about it. And I mean, that's, that's all there is. Yeah.
1: I mean, so I think some of it's pretty sophisticated and thoughtful and I think some of it's kind of flat and underwhelming. So yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think overall.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.